0: Uh oh brother, you're getting worked.
1: Getting worked with Mike. I'm Mike. This is getting worked. Hello! Um, <laughs> this week in wrestling was really, really fucking weird. Um, I want to talk a little bit about that. We're also bringing Bill Alfonso on this week. I am super excited to bring on a recurring segment we're going to be doing here. Hashtag, hey daddy. Bill Alfonso is coming on. We're talking about wrestling, making sure we... Dive deep back into some old ECW, back into old matches he's refereed. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, before we get into that, as always, thank you for listening to Getting Worked. However, you got this podcast, make sure that you like and subscribe. Uh, pick it up at gettingworked.com. No G in getting, in getting worked. The second G. Uh, the first G, obviously, in getting to, for the get, but no G on the ink. It's just a, in, getting, getting get worked, gettingworked Follow me on Twitter at worked, Instagram in worked with Mike. So, eyeballs and assholes, ladies and gentlemen. Eyeballs and assholes is the phrase of the weekend. We we had a lot of wrestling that kind of ran the gamut, but I kind of feel like it relates to an old Mr. Goodbody episode. If you ever watched that motherfucker, the old weird PBS show, uh, something good body dude was wearing a suit from head to toe. This guy had all of his body parts showing what a great way to describe this weekend of wrestling. Uh, you had everything from the top, the top of the head, the fucking eyeball, at the horror show, it extreme rules. Now, the f- fact that they had to put the horror show in front of their pay-per-view name speaks volumes. Because this was a fucking horror show. There was great fucking wrestling on this show. You you had some matches. Seth versus, versus Rey Mysterio, as far as a match goes, was a great fucking match. Stupidest fucking concept I've ever seen for a wrestling match stupidest fucking ending. Apparently it wasn't the real ending, but what a stupid concept for a match. And if you're not aware of what they were doing at the horror show at Extreme Rules on the WWE Network, fuck these long pay-per-view names, first off. The horror show at Extreme Rules. It's on the WWE Network. I have to say too much to remind you guys of what these shows are. What the fuck happened to short pay-per-view names like Vengeance, and whatever the fuck, ejaculate. I've talked about this before, but just long pay per view names drive me fucking nuts. The horror show at Extreme Rules. This Seth Rollins Rey Mysterio match was all based around the concept of an eye. I don't know if the eye spot in the beginning that started this, where Seth push, pushed Rey Mysterio's eye into the corner of a stairs. Blind him was like intended to go super far, but it did. So we get to Extreme. I'm sorry, we get to the horror show at Extreme Rules, and we're doing an eye versus eye match or eye for an eye match. Which I can buy if that's what you're calling it an eye for an eye match, and you're just saying that the goal is to blind your opponent, whatever. You could even get out of that easily by having somebody use powder, chemicals, something like that. But to fucking put the language on there that the goal is to extract the eyeball. These motherfuckers over and over again talked about the idea of the goal of this fucking match was to extract the eyeball from your opponent's head. That's how you win. We know John Cena works here. We fucking know that the Big Show works here. We know that dudes with legitimate contracts, legitimate insurance, and like companies on the line wouldn't let anybody, any of them, any of them, Big Show, Randy Orton, any of these people that have made a movie work for a company that did eyeball removal. It's not a fucking thing we're gonna believe. Nobody out there's gonna believe that we really are gonna have a match where somebody's gonna take somebody's fucking eyeball out Stop pretending the fans are fucking stupid. We're not fucking stupid We didn't think you were gonna have somebody's eyeball come out The original rumors what they is that they were gonna do a bunch of CGI with this shit And Rey Mysterio was going to have some dangly little eyeball hanging out of his head like a little Christmas ornament. Fucking apparently Vince saw that shit, didn't like it, or talked about it, didn't like it. Either way, it didn't happen. If there's footage out there of dangly Rey Mysterio eyeball, please send that shit my way. Uh, At Getting Worked on Twitter, send me that information. Uh, But to tell me that you're building a whole match around eyeball extraction fucking eyeball extraction and you get gun shy at the finish and you don't want to actually do anything that makes it look like an eyeball fuck off fuck right off don't do the match don't do a stupid idea and talk yourself into a corner because you know Rey Mysterio is leaving and do an eyeball removal eyeball if you haven't watched The horror show at Extreme Rules, don't. Don't watch it. Watch anything else. Anything else. Pick anything. Watch an old WCW match. Watch Frasier. Fucking watch anything but the horror show at Extreme Rules if you haven't already watched it. Great, great shit in some of these matches, great wrestling, but things like the fucking swamp match and this eyeball removal bullshit make it unbearable. Things like this are judged by the worst of it, not by the best of it. We can talk all day about about like Bailey and Sasha putting on a good show. Fucking Seth and Ray having a really nice match until eyeball removal we can talk about all these nice things, but at the end of the day, I'm going to remember the horror show at Extreme Rules on the WWE Network for eyeball removal. So, moving down our wrestling Mr. Goodbody to the tummy, my happy, happy tummy, full of beer. Full of beer. We're going to go to the belly. Belly. And fill our bellies with beer with, like, the Good Brothers. Because it's Slammiversary, we actually have the Good Brothers coming out. This was a big built-up show. I uh, spent the money on this. First Impact TNA pay-per-view I've ever fucking paid for. Because I knew with everything they were building up, not only would maybe some people show up, but there was going to be some good matches, and everybody working there was going to fucking put their most into it. So I dropped the money. Uh, That was 40 bucks on Fight TV. Uh, Honestly worth it. A lot of sound issues in the beginning of the show, which I'll be honest with you, I can forgive them for. I'm not super worried about that. My thing with this was some of the things that were brought in, some of the people that were brought back did well. Uh, Eric Young looked great. Eric Young came out in the uh, four-way match for the Impact Heavyweight Championship, and didn't win, but had a great match. The Good Brothers came out at the end of the night, stood tall, beat up Ace Austin and and uh, Madman Fulton, ended up raising their hands, looking awesome. EC3 comes out at the end uh, after everything happens, throws a drink at the wall, looks cool, looks buff, it's kind of nice little goatee, handsome as shit. Looks great. But previously in the show, uh, Heath, formerly Heath Slater, now just the new Heath, looks a lot like the old Heath. I love me some Heath. I love me some Heath Slater. And it was nice to see Heath Slater talk to Rhino, but when you watch Slammiversary, formerly Heath Slater, now the new Heath or Heath comes out, Cuts a promo. It's okay. Kind of felt like he didn't watch the show because he called out a tag team title match that had already happened. Or a tag team contendership match that had already happened. Challenged for it when the match had already happened. Some guy comes out, calls him out for it. I apologize for saying some guy because I don't watch a lot of Impact. So that performer who came out and challenged Heath, awesome job. Called him out for not watching the beginning match. Uh, sorry I don't remember your name Awesome job though And Heath Heath kinda looks like a little bit of a job ski he Kinda looks like a little bit lame Comes out and just gets to talk shit too Cause he wasn't paying attention to the show And goes backstage uh, Later on the show meets with Rhino And then gets kicked out of the arena for not working there Scott Demore Comes up to Heath Explains to him you don't work here Because of that Because of COVID I can't allow you to be in the building. Okay. I I, I guess. But at the same time, I kind of would really hope you guys would do something more serious with Heath, especially after his little soiree back in the WWE for one match, to one, you want to call it a match, against Drew McIntyre. That could have gone really well. So, fill in my beer. Fill in my belly. Fill in my beer. Filling my belly with beer. Just like the good brothers. It's time to head a little bit further down to my fucking asshole. Joey Ryan. I'm not going to give this guy a lot of airtime. I watched his fucking victim blame-a-mania video this weekend. Without going too much into it. If I was somebody who got accused of doing things Joey Ryan did. I would not make a YouTube video calling out every single one of the people who accused me of terrible things even if joey ryan wants to come out and say he didn't do this this was the case youtube's not the format you're a dick go back in your cave get with your lawyer and do it the right way don't air your bullshit on the internet don't be an asshole short and sweet all i'm gonna say about that now Time to change things up a little bit. We're going to go back from the asshole right up to my balls. We're going to bring you in with this little bit of a manscape promo, talk about our sponsors and what we can do for you. Then we're bringing Fonzie in for our first little dabble into hashtag. Hey, Daddy. Talking about ECW. This week, we're starting a conversation about November to remember RVD versus Tommy Dreamer and the flag match. WWF versus ECW. We're going to be getting into that right after this. Thank you guys for tuning in. Eyeballs to the assholes. Getting worked. Let's go. People of the internet, I'm here to talk to you about our wonderful sponsor, Manscaped. It, here's the thing, every single person out there talking about Manscaped is gonna to talk to you about the Lawn Mower 3.0. Every single one of them is gonna let you know that it's a third generation trimmer featuring a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents thanks to Manscaped's advanced technology. It's the most guaranteed way to make sure that you got no nicks on your dick gonna be the most smooth shave for your balls with an advanced skin safe technology now when I say this motherfuckers premium it's premium just like everybody else t- out there on the internet every other podcaster sponsored by is gonna be talking about the lawnmower 3.0 but I'll tell you what I want to talk to you guys about the formulations if there's one thing that's part of my routine it's my manscape formulations from top to bottom from head to toe From eyeballs to asshole, ladies and gentlemen, Manscaped has me covered. It's become part of my fucking routine. I get in the shower, I'm lathering up with that crop cleanser. It's my hair, it's my body, it's my balls, it's my butt crack, making sure I'm clean from head to toe. You know, getting out of the shower, towel off, hitting myself up with that deodorant, that crop preserver god that feels good without ball deodorant my day goes really shitty if my balls are sweaty i'm not feeling right if i'm not feeling right i'm not working right if i'm not working right i'm not recording this podcast right i'm not bringing you wrestling right it all starts with my crop preserver it all starts with that ball deodorant a couple spritzes of that ball toner man that crop reviver that's what keeps me going. That's a little bit of a spritz. Maybe I come back halfway through my day, hit a couple little bit of it dabs of that chap. That crop reviver knows the jam, guys. Get out of there, finish washing off, drying off. Next thing you know, hit the feet with that foot duster. Making sure, because I'm an old man. I'm coming up on 37 this year. I don't like to wear socks. I wear shitty shoes that don't require socks. But I got my foot duster. A little bit of that refined cologne make sure i'm smelling fine ladies and gentlemen manscape has you covered and you can go now to manscape.com using my promo code getting 20 for 20 percent off and free shipping get your balls right get your body right get the foot duster on spray a little bit of that cologne be smelling fine smelling like citrus smelling like wood smelling like a million bucks Manscaped.com Get your formulations on Everybody's telling you to trim your balls Only Mike's going to tell you To rub something on there to make them feel good Go to Manscaped.com Get 20% off and free shipping With my promo code Getting20 now Damn! Ladies and gentlemen, getting worked. I'm Mike. This is getting worked. This is actually a new segment. This is something we're going to be doing more often around here. I went out and said to myself, Mike, you got to bring a legend to the people. You got to bring a motherfucking legend to the people of the internet. So I went out and I found you a legend, ladies and gentlemen. I found you a wrestling legend. I found you the manager of champions. I found you an ECW stalwart. One of the men who, when you go back and look at the greatest times in ECW, this man's name is associated with it. He was referred to as one of the hottest heel acts in ECW. Ladies and gentlemen, the manager of champions, the man who calls it down the middle. I am pleased to bring you the one and only Bill Fonzie Alfonso, sir. Welcome to Getting Worked.
0: Damn, Michael, uh, on uh Getting Worked podcast, brother, I like that intro. I know I'm going to like this podcast, <laughs> Daddy. You're great. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Hello to all the fans listening to this podcast, and we're going to get right into some good stuff. Michael's got a list he said, two miles long, with all kind of great questions, and I got all the good answers, Daddy
1: it's time to call it down the middle. We're going to be calling this Hey Daddy. Make sure you guys go to gettingworked.com, follow on Twitter at gettingworked, send me your questions using the hashtag HeyDaddy. Send in questions for Fonzie, things you want me to ask him, things you want to talk about. But this week, I went through my favorites, I went deep, I went deep in my ECW archive for this and this is a match that I always fascinated me, not only because of the stipulations of the match, not only because of what it meant to ECW, but because this match is fucking crazy. Not only are you guys going to pull out tons of run-ins, tons of story, but I think this match is really underrated for how much of a linchpin it was in the history of ECW. Um, tonight, we're actually be talking about Uh, November to Remember of November 30th, 1997. The match is RVD with Fonzie in his corner against Tommy Dreamer with Beulah McGillicuddy in his corner. Now, this is what's referred to as a flag match. Now, Fonzie, this is right at the height of of the ECW craze. You guys are showing up on Monday Night Raw. Um, This had all started earlier in 1997 with Barely Legal. The first ECW pay per view. Now, you made history at that first pay per view uh, in April thirteenth of nineteen ninety seven at Barely Legal. Uh, you turned on, uh, actually, your client Taz. Uh, it was Taz versus Sabu in Barely Legal. It was the semi main event of the show. Uh, with now take me back with, with that being the first ECW pay-per-view you're managing Taz, you know, what's going to go down that night when, when you turn on him for Sabu, what's the thought process going into that first pay-per-view?
0: Well, we were all so excited when I say we, I'm talking about all the ECW superstars, including Paul Heyman and Todd Gordon, because it was our first pay-per-view. We're getting on the map. We were so proud and so hyped up for this damn match that, uh, I couldn't really think straight, but um, I knew that it was a good move for me because Taz had seven or eight gimmicks before they put us together. He was Tasmania. He was Monkey Mm -hmm. Boy. He was uh, Stuntman, whatever the fuck. He he had a bunch of gimmicks that really didn't get over. When he got over, when they put him and I together, we both got over uh, because he was Taz. He's that Taz is Taz. You know those different gimmicks like Tasmania never got over because he was trying to do something he's not. Taz is really kind of a... Nasty, he's a great guy and I love Taz. But he's kind of a dick. Uh, because <laughs> he, you, know, you know what I'm saying? He's not like a friendly guy and right. you know, hug the fans and all that stuff. He's, yeah, bro, whatever. So that's his personality. That's why he got over with the Taz gimmick. And I already had plenty of heat rolling in is the, the initial thing Paul Heyman was supposed to bring me in for four weeks, I get I just leave WWF. Mm-hmm. I'm jumping around, but I just leave WWF. This is all relevant to the question. Mm-hmm. I leave WWF, and back then, you know, I did I taped the first Monday Night Raw. But anyway, um, um, I had just left WWF, and we were, at that point we were doing one live show on Monday, Tuesday we would tape another uh, Raw. So for the next Monday and the Wednesday we would tape another raw so we would have two in the can and then the fourth one would be live again every you know yeah so um, so I just left this I was still on TV when I went to ECW but I haven't heard from Paul we worked together in Florida I've known Paul for years so I get a phone call from Paul I'm home from WWF I leave there I get a good story about my entrance and exit in ECW you'll love that but that's later on in the podcast. Don't turn that fucking station because you're going to uh, hear some pretty cool shit. Uh, uh, so I was still on TV. I get a phone call from Paul Heyman. He said, mm-hmm. Hey, Von, they said, Paul, I haven't heard from you in a while. Man. We're talking back and forth. Hello and all that. He said, Listen, I got this company in Philadelphia called ECW. I said, Paul, what the fuck's an ECW? Because I just come off of all mainstream, Florida Championship Wrestling, Ted Turner, WCW, Vince McMahon, WWF, and Japan, and Batallion, and all I've been all over the world. Never worked a little indie show in my life, so I didn't know the concept of ECW. He says, trust me, Bond, this is a little hardcore company. You're fresh out of WWF. In fact, you're still on TV because you pre-taped for three weeks. And Vince McMahon is family entertainment. Vince wants the doctor, the doctor's wife, and the doctor's two kids at ringside. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want ringside with 45 guys the age of 18 to 32. You know what I mean? So, so he I got this idea. I'm going to bring you in for four weeks. You'd be anti-ECW, anti-violence, anti-this, anti-that. Stop the violence. We're going to hate you. And they did. It got over. So I was supposed to go in for four weeks and get chokeslammed by 911. And then I was going to leave. I did my job. Right. You know, ECW keeps going and Fonzie's out. But the gimmick got over. I got a lot of heat. And Paul wanted to keep me for a little bit longer. So my four weeks went into six weeks. Then it went into eight weeks. Then eventually it eventually went into five years. But getting back to um, the the pay-per-view, Barely Legal, we were also hyped up. Uh, doing the pay-per-view, we weren't thinking, but it was time for me to go because Taz, Taz had already developed. That year I was with him, he was doing great promos. Mm-hmm. We did stuff good together, but he didn't need me at all no more. It's that who doesn't talk? It was a natural fit. And uh, uh, so uh, it was pretty exciting to do that big angle on our first pay-per-view and being involved in the main event. So pretty cool for Bill Alfonso.
1: Absolutely. So going into that with knowing you're making the move from Taz, who who, as you said, had developed himself into this character where he didn't necessarily need the manager... Over to Sabu. Was it always Sabu? Was was there any other choice, or was was Sabu the guy always from the first decision that you were switching to? When well, to that house? was all, all
0: that was all office stuff, and Paul Hamlin was the office, so okay. he knew what he was doing. I was just going along for the ride, yeah. and there was nobody else. And I was glad it was Sabu because I wanted to be main event. They they can't put me in there with a the middle guy. Right. He couldn't put me in there with, and God bless, I love Mike Woodbreak. He was a, one of our champions at one time. I mean, he couldn't put me in with uh, a middle guy. To uh, I had to be on top for me to get traction. Uh, and the Sabu, I mean, when I think of ECW, I think of Sabu. When I think of the whole fucking show, of course, I think of Van Dam. Uh, but it was a great move on whoever's part. It was Paul Heyman who designed it, came up and booked it, and had it thought out for a long time. So. I was lucky on that. Uh, and no, no, there wasn't nobody else. It didn't make sense for me to go with anybody else because Sabu didn't talk. I did. I already developed my promo skills. Because right. when I, when they, hey, Michael, when they first put me with Chad, you know, I had been in the business already 20 years before I got to ECW. Yeah, you were a legend. You know, already. A uh, I'm a legend in my own mind. Let's put it that way. <laughs> uh, so, um, I've been in the business 20 years, and I know the business inside now. I've been booker, producer, write shows, do matches. Behind the scene, I was fucking, I did it all. So it would be a natural fit for me to be a manager, right? Right. You would think. And I made a great manager. But my first couple of weeks doing the promos, uh, I was uh, 10-take Ponzi. So say, for instance, uh, hey, next week, Daddy, you better listen to – uh, the podcast, because I'm going to take, cut, take two, <laughs> take three, take four, take five. Finally, Tommy Dreamer and Paul come up to me and say, Ponzi, you got it now. You just need something to talk about instead of rat- rattling off these fucking you know, stuff that don't make sense. Talk about what's going to happen. You know you're going to be at the ECW Arena. You know it's going to be on the 25th. You know it's going to be a Bob Wire match. You know it's Terry Funk. You know it's dangerous. You know it's hardcore. And then I got it. I just talk about the facts. Hey, Daddy, on August twenty fifth, Bob Wire matched the most dangerous match on the planet. It's me and Sabu and Terry Funk, Daddy. We're gonna wrap them up and send them back to Amarillo. So I was one. Now I'm known as one take Bonzi. Nice. I just so... took that one thing from Paul and Tommy to lead me out of my ten take which was only a couple of times, you know, that I got it pretty quick. Now he can't
1: stop me. So it's interesting that you say, say Paul Heyman and, and Tommy Dreamer because, go, and to jump ahead before we go back to what I was talking about, during the match in question, the flag match, uh, Joey Styles had made a comment that RVD and Tommy Dreamer were both 26 years old during this match. So, Van
0: Damme's is forty nine, by the way. Okay, go ahead.
1: So, with them being that age at the time, you're saying how not only Paul but Tommy Dreamer had influenced you and helped you form your promo skills style. Being the veteran that you were at the time, how do you how do you take somebody Tommy Dreamer's age coming to you with with knowledge on how? Well, to we were we
0: we promos? we were a family back then. We were a package. If one person didn't know. That's why when you walk into a dressing room, there's more of this stuff than just being in the ring. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's a ton of guys that can wrestle their ass off, but I mean you got to be know how to fly. You got to know how to dress. You got to know how to rent cars. You got to know how to be diplomatic. You got to know how to eat dinner with the mayor. You got to know how to do this and that. <laughs> it's a, so many different things that you got to know to be a professional athlete. It's crazy. Uh, so. When Tommy Dreamer came up to me, Tommy Dreamer and Paul were really close. Tommy Dreamer was like the assistant booker. Todd Gordon was the owner of the company. Paul was the booker, and Tommy Dreamer was the assistant, and he was good. And he had the, everybody that was in the office had the, this this futuristic thinking of what they wanted ECW to be, and they were all good at it. Believe me, if I thought it was a shits, I would have said, Fuck off, Tommy over there let me do my shit but he was right and i was wrong
1: right okay and and that's good to know i
0: was gonna fuck off polite i was gonna fuck off polite though but you know <laughs> very I can, diplomatic
1: i can imagine the to tommy dreamer you'd be rather diplomatic
0: and i love tommy dreamer and i loved B- love Bula. she called me every day when i got busted open and that match that i had with me and Bula, well i was bled to death had to get rushed to the hospital almost died um uh, she called me every day and sent me flowers twice. She's oh. a sweetheart. I love love. She's so worried about me.
1: And she's a great part of this as well throughout this storyline because when, oh, yeah. when we get deeper into this, she's right next to Tommy when he becomes the face of ECW. Now, going back to when you turned on Taz, the big the big reveal, because the way the match goes down, Um, so you turned on Taz and apparently... Sabu was in the Taz mission after several suplexes. Sabu doesn't respond to the referee. He's out cold. RVD hits the ring. Sabu's back up, double-teaming Taz. At this point, and barely legal, the first ECW pay-per-view. This is the semi-main event. The only match after this was a three-way dance for the title. This ends with you taking off your Taz shirt. To reveal your Sabu shirt underneath. This was, this was your big middle finger to Taz. This was the reveal. Fonzie's jumped the rope. How much of the conversation, when you come up with the idea of switching and turning on Taz for Sabu, was the shirt? How much of a character at this point in of conversation is your t-shirts for your clients I I, I think
0: we're all very I think we're all relevant in putting our little two cents in there because uh, Paul Heyman had a format in his mind and he usually gives it to us especially the top guys that have been around and know how to produce and give good product Mm -hmm. uh, get good content out of the match get an idea and we were all kicking it around so he said what do you think of this I got this one. this is it here's the beginning the middle and the end you guys fill in the blanks and we did, we all sat together in the t-shirt up, right? T-shirt, but it made sense. And, you know, it's painted a picture and all. So, uh, uh, yeah, it was talking about everything was talking about because remember this is our first pay-per-view. So yeah. we wanted to be successful. We're going to do anything we can to make it successful. If I had to dive off a balcony or jump out of a plane and land in the ring, I would have, you know, whatever yeah. it took. So the t-shirt was a nice, easy thing for me, and it worked. It, it, it and we're did. still talking about it today.
1: It, it worked massively, and that was going to be my next question. Was Was there any doubt? Was there ever a moment where you, did Did you question if people would give a fuck about Fonzie's t-shirt?
0: No, because at that moment when it happened, if the ECW Smart, Smart March that went to the arena every week, the guy with the hat and the Hawaiian shirt... and. The, uh, they go to smart march, you know mm-hmm. that, right? They go to smart march. If we got it, if they liked it, if they were excited, and they spit, the same guy who spit on me at the arena bought me a cocktail at the Marriott <laughs> after the match. So <laughs> that's true. So if they bought it, we knew that everybody else would, you know, generally feel the same way. So it was pretty cool.
1: Absolutely. So coming out of this coming out of barely legal you you've you've made the switch you're with sabu you're with rvd fast forward uh, to august of that same year the hardcore heaven pay-per-view now oh boy you're really building up not only your side of the story but ECW's building up their hero tommy dreamer at this point is flying the ecw flag he beat jerry lawler he beat him with a testicular claw into a ddt now, on this pay-per-view, Tommy Dreamer goes over big. He, not only does he beat Jerry Lawler, but he beat Jerry Lawler with interference from Rick Rude, Jake Roberts, and Tammy... Some Sitch. of the biggest
0: names in the business. Huge, Some of the biggest names in the business. Huge
1: fucking names. And Tommy just Thank takes you. them all out. And then just grabs Jerry's balls and DDTs him. Boom. Win. At this point, Tommy is the fucking man. He's the man at this point And you guys are coming in on the other side You, Sabu, and RVD Healing it the fuck up Earlier in the evening Of the Hardcore Heaven pay-per-view RVD had had an altercation With the Insane Clown Posse uh, Oh, this is a
0: Polaro? Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah What can you tell us As far as like the interaction With with the Insane Clown Posse Their inter, inter, in, in, involvement what? on this pay-per-view any, any memories of working with them?
0: Yeah, here's the dope on that. Um, you know, when ECW started getting hot, everybody wanted to jump aboard. Right. You've seen how many superstars came through there, from the Japanese to Steve Williams to Jake to Dusty Rhodes, American Dream to Rick Rude, to all these Jake the Snake to all these lights on, lights off, fucking funk in the box, all these great big star names. It was that a really place wanted. to be. So, so. Uh, and Saint Cloud, Posse comes. Now we we've been in Saint Cloud, but they love Sabu and Van Dam. They're big mar, big fans of ECW, and they wanted to be a part of us so bad. But they're non wrestlers. They're non business people. They're non wrestling people at all. They just like the business. So they wanted to have some type of match in there, which was fine. But they're going to get beat down, you know, ECW style. And Van Damme and Sabu accommodate them. They beat the fuck out of them. Not in a vicious fashion, but just, you know, didn't give them anything. Uh, like so, Bruiser Brody, did they give Lex Luger anything in that steel cage.
1: So they just you came know in knowing about? they were going to get the shit kicked out of them. They just came in yeah. just a job.
0: Well, pretty much. Okay.
1: Uh, yeah,
0: because it, it doesn't make no sense for them to come in. Big rock and roll, big fucking... Uh, in same time, posse music that they were good in uh, on stage, but not in our event. It'd be stupid for us to give yeah. them anything or put them over or anything like that. They came in to be bowed down to us and do whatever the fuck we told them. Well, now just... We go to the concert and we go to their fucking chat, the thing, they're spraying those bottles and soda and shit <laughs> all over. We do what they want us to do. Why don't they stand in the corner and spray the bottle? Okay. I don't know how to sing, I don't know how to rap and all that shit. So whatever they told me so whatever we told them they were very company. They were actually pretty cool. They brought us jerseys and good pot and all kind of good shit.
1: <laughs> so it was it was it was a pretty well, amenable was, interaction. Was, they they were good it, guys. Yeah, it
0: was yeah, it was a mutual thing. And they appreciated us being on the paper. You know, they wanted okay. to be a part of it. They knew their position and it made sense. Cause the musicians, the words Sports stars.
1: Those guys get a bad rep. Those guys. Those guys get a bad reputation a lot of times. Actually, you hear that cool they're guy. selfish.
0: That might be true, but not with me. Yeah, I never seen it. I've been around them. They were. They were giving up. They were very cool. Were very cool to me. Inviting me to any show in the country. Finally, here's a number. You, if we're in town, and you're in town. You call this number. That's my stage guy. He'll get you in. Plus, whoever you bring. So I did it multiple times. law said excuse me, seen them in Los Angeles, seen them in Detroit, Cobo. See them in many places, just call that number, say, hey, I'm a friend of boom, five people plus me, right in the back, it was pretty cool, so they're really cool guys.
1: Good, well, that's good, because like I said, they get a bad reputation, and sometimes you hear bullshit about people, and it's good to know that, you know, they're good guys, because I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't see anything, a lot of people like to shit on Insane Clown Posse, I don't I don't necessarily think that's something to do. Uh,
0: yeah, they're making nobody, money. But, leave know, them alone. They're, yeah, they're not bad guys. They put out some of music. At the time, they were hot. Right. They were fucking, you know, they are real hot. They were good.
1: Yeah. So that was a good, a good altercation for RVD in the beginning of the show with Insane Clown Posse. Uh, so yeah. Also with that night, Sabu had lost the ECW World Heavyweight Championship. And then RVD beat up Al Snow. So you guys pretty much came through hardcore heaven... Sabu lost a belt, but you guys didn't really lose any steam. RVD and we Sabu are still on top oh, of the if world. If we
0: dropped a belt, if we dropped the belt, we didn't. Sabu doesn't need a belt. He was fucking ECW. He didn't need the belt. Somebody else did, so we gave it to him.
1: Oh, you so, know what I mean? It
0: was business. Oh, absolutely. So it didn't hurt. It didn't hurt us all, like you said. We came out good. RVD and Alsa. We came out smelling like roses. For some reason, we were blessed with good spots, and we had. Uh, the three of us as a team, we did fucking fantastic.
1: Well, at this point too, the the mainstream WWF audience is recognizing ECW. You guys are being known by their fans. People are yelling ECW at Monday Night Raw. Like, right? It's you know, was undeniable. Of our show
0: was Shane McMahon. Yeah. not like it too much because the, 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 he's old school. With all those guys that went in the office: Pat Patterson, Jerry Briscoe. All the man, you guys are tables and chairs and blood oh my, that's all the shits. But, but there was a, who knew there was gonna be a big audience for it? There's an audience for family entertainment like Vince Watson, a doctor, his wife, and the two kids. There's an audience for the hardcore blood sex pilots, rock and roll, and all that shit. So, but Shane McMahon, you can see the influence that Shane has got off of it because you see him diving off the of cages and Shane does, Shane's a millionaire. He doesn't have to dive off a cage like mankind and go no. to, it, you know what I mean? Yeah, but that's the ECW influence. He loved us. He
1: loved us. And 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 not not to go too too far ahead, but you know there there were rumors he had a lot to do with the resurgence of ECW years later well, with WWE. Well, he, he he was a big champion. That he was a big advocate for ECW. Yeah. Well, everybody was
0: towards the end. So let me give you an example. Here's uh, a company ECW. This is these. Numbers aren't accurate. I'm just giving you an example. Say ECW was making $13 million a year, but we were spending fourteen to produce. So we had no corporate sponsors. We didn't have this. We didn't have fucking commercials. We were on City TV until later. So Vince loved us so much because they were stealing talent, not stealing talent. They were taking talent. We were actually interchanging with Vince. Uh, Vince gave us a million dollars to continue on. Close a million dollars. And then he ended up buying the company and all that. But that's how much ECW is like eventually by Vince and everyone in that, that office. Yeah. They, they gave us a million dollars to freaking keep going. Because you look, all those guys left with the And people say to me all the time, why did Sandman jump ship? Why did Bam Bam jump ship? Why did Taz jump ship and go? I said, listen, <laughs> you're working at Cash. You're working at. Uh, the supermarket as a manager, and you're making fifty five thousand dollars a year. And uh, uh, Amazon called you, wanted you to be a manager, one of their big things, and mm-hmm. offered you five hundred thousand a year. What the fuck are you gonna do? You're not gonna think for twenty minutes.
1: You're gonna give an answer
0: right there. I'll take the five hundred thousand to fuck the store I'm working at.
1: Absolutely, you know, I'd take the money.
0: It's about money, so that's my answer to why the guy didn't jump ship. They went for a better lifestyle. Yeah, you know how can you turn down Ted Turner money? No, you know they are. I think they offered for tenement three hundred thousand first year, four fifty the second year, and five fifty the third year. That's almost a million dollars in three years. You're not going to make that D C W. No, and and the
1: and fact we he didn't miss had a, that and, we didn't, and we didn't miss a
0: beat. We missed them for a minute, but we kept going, finally until it folded. But.
1: And you guys, were, you guys, like you said, you guys, you guys ran it till the wheels fell off, and one of yes. the big reasons because of that was this interaction with WWF. Because after Hardcore Heaven, you guys built back up this rivalry. Uh, Tommy Dreamer's now on top, is like the face of ECW. RVD's building this match, so. You guys, they, they came up with the idea for the flag match. RVD and, and Tommy Dreamer are going to have a match, and the winner is going to wave their company's flag. At this point, you guys have gone full in and representing WWF. Yeah. Tommy's going in and waving the ECW flag. The night before yeah. this pay-per-view, RVD and Sabu cut a promo on ECW Hardcore TV where they pissing on an ecw flag that out of nowhere burst into flames um were you there for that
0: i am 99.9 sure i was there we did so much stuff brothers hard to recollect everything we did 500 things that made that made not history but were big right like the pay-per-views and all that so uh I, I don't recall being there when a flag caught fire and all that.
1: It's one of those moments where you're watching and you you wonder like, okay, yeah. was that planned? Was that not planned? Like, because when the flame when the flag goes up and you can watch this on the WWE Network, actually, uh, not only ECW Hardcore from the night before, but also November to Remember, Barely Legal, and Hardcore Heaven are all available on the WWE Network. So if you guys want to go back and watch those, but you see Savu and RVD jump. Almost like they did not anticipate the flag going up in flames as quickly as it did. Even even better. Even better, G V right? Right. Something you weren't anticipating. So that's gonna take us to the match. The the, the night of the show. Once again, we're looking at November thirtieth, nineteen ninety seven. This is at the Golden Dome in Monica, Pennsylvania. Uh packed house. You got you got over over, I believe it was uh forty one hundred people in the arena. Uh, People are going fucking crazy. There's a pan shot at the beginning of this show, and the crowd's going fucking nuts. Joey Styles is in rare form on this show. Uh, The WWF versus ECW rivalries at its height. In my opinion, that's where a lot of Joey Styles' best commentary shined, was when he got to play up the angle of representing ECW against the evil corporation calling Vince McMahon all these terrible things at a couple points he's quoted on the show of there's things he wants to say about WWE that he's not allowed to because he's the broadcaster how much isn't that isn't
0: that great
1: how, how that's that's stuff first you can't you can't script that that that's Joey Styles being Joey Styles that's someone who knows what they're doing being let free to do their art. When you guys are going into this pay-per-view, and just into all these pay-per-views we've talked about today, the mentality of us versus them, ECW versus WWF.
0: Well, the guys that produced the show, like Paul Heyman and stuff, they generally had, we just talked about it, had a format right. of what they wanted. And then the guys, we were so... We were surrounded by so much talent, and just trying to bust it out and give all this talent away to the fans that we were so good that, uh, especially Joey Styles. I mean, he did broadcast by he was doing pay per views by himself, yeah. which is unheard of. You know, one man uh, broadcast on a one of the only ones that
1: does it that well.
0: I thought Joey Styles was ahead of his time, mm-hmm. or. He, perfect for his time. You, we couldn't ask for anybody better than Joyce Stout. We're so full of talent, man, that you just gave us a format uh, uh what you want. And we we're so good, all of us, from Mikey Whitbrack to the first. You know, the first match is just as important as the last match. It's the opening of the show. That sometimes it sets the temple of the whole show, the opening match. So, <laughs> excuse me. <clears throat> we're so full of talent that. It just worked. And, you know, everybody knows Joey's uh, one of the best. So uh, it was a natural thing. And, you know, and he pulled it off.
1: He does Really he did. good.
0: You said it. You said he was amazing. The people were rapid right at the seats are like you know what i mean
1: it's this crazy. is the height this is the height of the fever of ecw like these shows I are to a, the top. i probably had a wwf hat
0: on a money Night raw hat on. i think a red that's one back exactly
1: back what the fuck i was gonna say next this match starts the music kicks first off the music is what i like to call ec dubbed because if you go to the network, you can't hear the real music. I, I'm going to advise anybody listening, if you can get a hold of an old ECW tape, if you can find somebody with an old recording. Oh, my
0: God. How do we get away with all that music? November to Remember and showing all that stuff on pay per view. You were playing the songs on
1: pay-per-view. We,
0: we were... <laughs> no, <laughs> nobody the, taxes on that. You can't do, do that Guayama, nowadays. Uh, no. You, no. I think Guayama's theory was do it and then ask for forgiveness instead of ask for permission.
1: You never had to ask forgiveness for some reason. No, no. You guys they got away me. with it. Nobody somebody put a CD out of all the songs saying, "Hey, the music from music from TW was Metallica, Megadeth, Sepultura, right. Pantera, all these bands."
0: How'd that happened. What the How fuck? How that happened?
1: Now, I don't know. touching on that, do you know were these guys picking these songs? Obviously, something like Sandman using Enter Sandman's a no-brainer. But some of these White Zombie songs and Pantera, to your knowledge, how active are the were, were the guys with picking these songs themselves, or were they kind of put upon them?
0: Yeah, I think a few guys picked the songs and then Paul Heyman uh, okayed them. And if they made sense, great. Yeah, and every song made sense. then November, do you remember videos that we did? you know, the one I'm talking about, they play the whole song and they show mm-hmm. clips of ECW. Amazing. Amazing. going to pick a better song. And that was, in it. that was in the name of our event that month.
1: Yeah. You know, and November. that was great. Part of it is the fact of the cross marketing you guys had, not only with the music, but the videos, the pay-per-view all being tied together. We're, we're, we're three years away from, from video games. Like You guys are gearing up. We're like a year and a half away from action figures. You guys are really getting ready to make money with the ECW brand. And it's and it shows here. Because the crowd is going fucking insane. And video
0: games.
1: You come out. Crazy. Fonzie's ass comes out wearing a Monday Night Raw hat. How much... At that point, and we've said this before... You at this point are the hottest heel in ECW. You fucking are hatred in ECW. From you being the shitty ref that people wanted to see get choke slammed by 911 to this point where you're walking into the pay-per-view wearing a Monday Night Raw hat. What is what does that feel like? Is there is is do you know what you're doing? Do you know you're making history? Do you know what this means to the wrestling world at that moment? Or is it just, fuck it, Fonzie, throw on the hat, and, and it'll be people will love it?
0: It was probably a combination of all of it, because, uh, of course, we didn't know we were making history, but we knew we were doing something. We were a hot company. Everybody loved us. Uh, uh, the hat was just another part of the gimmick that just fit in perfectly, and I'm so glad we did, and it made sense. So why, if it makes sense to us if it made sense to the ecw people at the ecw arena in philadelphia it made sense to everybody because we all can't be wrong but right. this was the right thing to do pretty cool i'm glad you brought that up that i had that hat on because i'm not searching for a picture to send you right now with me and jerry lawler with the hat on and the ring pointing or something it's pretty cool
1: it's it's insane to, to the point where because at this point WWF is already waging a war with WCW on separate channels right they're having a silent war but it's a silent war they're not outright saying like like Bret Bret Hart's not going out saying fuck Kevin Nash Hulk Hogan's not going out on the air and and literally calling out Stone Cold Steve Austin but you guys have things like Jerry Lawler on your show on your pay-per-views you've got a Monday Night Raw hat you're carrying their flag
0: yeah yeah fucking crazy how do we do that
1: you can't get away with that somebody was genius somebody
0: somebody was genius
1: nowadays you're right if if the young bucks if the young bucks walked out on AEW television holding a WWF flag or a WWE flag nowadays they'd get sued it'd be a lawsuit immediately but back then in 1997 you could get away with that so much so and this is the part that fucking kills me because you get announced as the Senior Vice President of Extreme Affairs for the World Wrestling Federation. Holy shit. That <laughs> what a fucking title.
0: That's, that's a pretty damn big title, brother. That's
1: and that's cool. quoted. You, the People listening to the show can go check it out at WWE Network. It's Senior Vice President of Extreme Affairs for the World Wrestling Federation, Bill Alfonso the one of the best intros for a manager. Like you're the manager. You're not, you're not RVD. You're not Sabu. You're, you're, you're Bill Alfonso, but you're such a big character and they're so, and they're so invested, not only the company, but the fans are so invested because when you listen to people say how much they fucking hate you at certain points, there's get the fuck out chance. RVD's a bitch. Die, Fonzie, die. When you're yeah, they, wearing yeah, they yeah teachers,
0: Fonzie must die. The guy at Ringside was holding Because I'm hyper naturally. Can you imagine my character, What you've seen? I had another 30% of hyperness, and the guy's doing up beside, we want Fonzie's blood. And then the next week, the guy's doing it beside, Fonzie, take a Xanax or take a value. You know, <laughs> I'm so fucking hyper. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs>
1: so uh, so you're out there you're running around you're carrying the wwf flag uh, it, once again joey styles is referring to you and rvd as sellouts calling out vince mcmahon by name with that he's explaining the goal of the match beat your opponent. ladies and gentlemen of the internet What a fucking week. Eyeballs to assholes. Fonzie's here. November to remember. What a fucking week. Make sure you guys come back next week. We're gonna be talking more to Fonzie about the uh, continuation of this match in November to remember. Remember, you guys remember. Go to manscaped.com. Use my promo code Gettin20. Get 20% off, get free shipping, get your balls clean. Also, make sure you guys follow on Twitter at Getting Worked, follow on Instagram at Getting Worked with Mike, wherever you guys got this podcast Spotify, Apple Podcasts, gettingwork.com. Like, subscribe, leave a review. Come back next week. Make sure you guys follow Rusty Joints on Instagram, go buy some of his music. He's the guy making these jammy jams every week. This has been Getting Worked. I'm Mike, that was Fonzie. See you next week.